So the reading is taken from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 15. Just generosity encouraged. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overwhelming in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service of which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of surpassing grace that God has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We're in the middle of a series, as many of you know, um, called Easter Ambassadors, where we're looking at the way in which the risen Jesus changed, transformed the life of the disciples. They were literally turned inside out. Um, as they discovered that Jesus was alive, their fear, we've seen, was turned to joy. Their unbelief was turned to belief. Their weakness was turned into strength. Do you remember Jesus blowing on them and, and breathing the, his spirit into them? Um, their inward-looking uh, uh, doubt was turned into outward-looking uh, vision. And from now on from their, in their lives, uh, not only will uh, Jesus' love flood them, but it will then progressively overflow from them to the lives of those around. And the early Christian church was characterized not only by the extraordinary life that it had or by the power, but also by their extraordinary generosity. And so today we're looking at the theme of, of what it is to be generous, a generous church um, responding to the amazing generosity of God. Now in the stories of the resurrection, there's a tiny little bit that just sort of sneaks in there after the, the story about how Jesus reveals himself to Thomas, and then right at the end of the gospel as well. Let me just read you it. It's almost um, sort of thrown in as an afterthought. Um, the, the, the writer says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. And then at the end it says, he did many other things. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. 
There's something extraordinary about the way in which God pours out his life. So much so here that Jesus, everything that Jesus did couldn't be contained even in all the books that there were that would be written. Um, an extraordinary thing. So we're going to look at the way in which Paul talks to one of the early churches uh, and encourages them to put that into practice, to be generous as God is generous. And it's going to give us three sort of pointers that will help us as we think on this gift day what it is to be a generous church. The church in question is the church in Corinth, a church founded by Paul and that he's writing to. And the first thing that um, Paul gives them as a pointer is the nature of God. Now, when we uh, typically think about giving, we uh, tend to think about what we don't have. If somebody asks us to come to a gift day, immediately we think about the things we don't have or we think about the things we, um, the things we need. Or we think about what we're going to lose if we give something. But the starting point for Paul and the starting point throughout Scripture is not scarcity, but abundance. In other words, we're not called as Christians to think about what we don't have. We're called to focus on what we have got and what we are given. And Paul, in his encouragement to the Corinthians to be generous, doesn't start by saying what they need or what others need. He starts by pointing out the extraordinary generosity of God. Verse eight in, in our passage has just three simple words. It says, God is able. God is able to bless you abundantly. That's the starting point for thinking about the Christian virtue of generosity. It doesn't start with us at all. It starts with God. When I was uh, growing up, my parents taught us a, 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 a song that we would sing if, uh, sort of for grace before the, the meal, all good gifts around us. Who knows that one? It was like this, all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. Then thank the Lord, oh, thank the Lord for all his love. I mean, I just knew it so well that even like, 40 years later, I can still sing it just like that. It was um, uh, quite a while before I realized it's actually part of a hymn, and it actually has verses to it. It's not just a song that was written for before a meal. And the hymn goes like this, we plow the fields and scatter the good seed on the land. And it talks about God's goodness in creation, giving, giving everything we have. Now, of course, the, the problem for me growing up was I lived in the city, as many of us do today, and um, I've never ploughed the fields and scattered in my life. Um, that sort of agricultural metaphor is quite foreign to us these days, isn't it? But in the biblical world, it was absolutely at the heart of everything they did. They knew that the food on their table wasn't just there because of mum's good cooking. They knew that somebody had worked the fields. And they knew that before that, somebody had sowed the seed. They knew that everything came ultimately from a generous giver. 
And that is our starting point as Christians. That is what roots our lives. The Bible has a word for it, it's grace. Everything that we have is a gift. At one point to the Corinthians, Paul says, what do you have that you haven't first received? And it takes us right back to the beginning of the Bible where God starts the whole thing. He, he puts the world into motion by his word alone. And he creates out of generosity. We see in the early chapters of Genesis a, a beautiful picture of a, of a generous God throbbing with life. He's a generous, giving creator. Now that's where I suppose the ancient world had an advantage over us because they knew about the natural world. They knew about the rhythm of the seasons. They knew their dependence on harvest, their fragility in the face of natural events. They were used to awe and contemplation. Recently, um, a couple of days ago, we watched a film that was um, a remarkable film set in Africa and one of the scenes just had the, 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 the actors just staring up at the, the sky. It took me back to a moment when I was in Kenya many years ago and just in the middle of the countryside staring up at the sky. We don't see it because of all the lights. But when you get away and you just look up and you see it leads you to just contemplate, to consider you know, the, early, the, 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 the ancient world knew about contemplation. They knew about what it was to reflect and allow things to dwell in them because they, they lived in the midst of that. And in our busy world, we tend to forget that ultimately everything comes from an awesome, generous creator God. Of course, the vision of God like that didn't have to be that way. Even in the ancient world, the Greeks didn't believe in a God like that. The Greeks believed in a God who was impassable. That means that he was passive. He was separated from his world. He was untouchable and untouched by what happened in the world. The Babylonians in the ancient world uh, didn't believe in gods who uh, had any direct contact with the world at all. They believed in gods who were simply surrounded by their heavenly spiritual court. But the Hebrew scriptures teach us that God overflowed into his world and began a, a direct relationship with his creation. That's why Christians don't talk about the natural world alone. They talk about the created world because everything sends us back to the creator. But more than that, Creation talks to us about a God who himself creates something creating. In other words, when he created the world, he created it with the capacity itself to create. Generosity is actually built into the fabric of the universe. Abundance, the intricate and evolving nature of our world is a reflection on the intricate generosity of God. And so it is that in Genesis, God creates the, 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 the seed-bearing plants with, 
and, and the trees with the capacity to bear fruit with seed in it. He makes the water teem with living creatures and birds in the sky, calling them to be fruitful and multiply. He creates man, male and female, and calls them to be fruitful and multiply. Can you see? He's like giving dignity to creation because he's making it like him. God is creative. He calls his creation to be creative. God is generous. He calls the created order to reflect his generosity. In other words, for us as Christians, this is the starting point. Learning generosity brings us into line with the character of God, but it also brings us into tune with the way God made the world. God made the world to be generous. Now, that leads us on to a second point. Because not only is this passage full of abundance, God giving, and Paul emphasizes it again and again, God is able, he says, verse eight, to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, can you hear that abundant language? Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is so good. Everything we have comes from him. He who supplied seed to the sower, bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, he says, so that, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And here's the second point. If we want to learn to be generous, we must not only contemplate our wonderfully generous God, but we need to understand as well the, the economy of God's kingdom that functions along different lines from our human ways. You see, in, in human terms, in normal situations, when you give something away, you lose it, don't you? But in the economy of God, the more we give, the more we receive. That's why Paul starts the passage saying, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. It's actually built into God's creation. Think about it for a moment. How does a plant multiply? How does a plant multiply and be fruitful? By giving away its seed. That's how the economy of God works. As we give, so life is multiplied. If we hold on, life is stifled. Now, of course, the ultimate expression of that is Jesus, isn't it? God so loved the world that he gave his son. And Jesus so loved us that he gave his life. Like a plant giving its seed so it can fall into fertile soil and then give life to others. That is exactly how the economy of the kingdom works. God is incredibly generous to us and he gives us all things. But he never intends us to be like a bowl that collects water. 
He intends us to be like a channel that distributes it. The more he gives, the more we give. Just like Christ came and gave himself for the life of the world. You see, God wants us to pay, play a part in his kingdom, recreative, renewing, restoring, redemptive process. That's why Christ came, isn't it? To bring creation back. And the way that God does it is by using kingdom people who have understood the kingdom process. As they receive, they give, and they become channels of redemptive action on the part of God. Through us, others are blessed. That is how God intends it to be. In his kingdom, therefore, healing and renewal, salvation and growth come as his people learn to give away what they have received. So whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And we need to be clear here, Paul is actually talking about money. That's why he's addressing the Corinthians at this point. But the issue is about more than money. It's about gratitude flowing. It's not just about giving materially, it's about having a giving life. It's about being a channel by which gratitude can be received from God and flow out to others. And as we give generously on every level in our lives, out of the wealth that God has given us, so life springs up around us. Now it's important to understand that giving is our prime means of dethroning idols. Because when we give, we actually say the opposite to the tendencies of this world. This world naturally wants to get, is that not right? Because we naturally think about what we don't have. So we want to accumulate. We want to bring things to ourselves. We want to shore up our lives. And if those things initially are great, very quickly they become all-consuming. And our lives are defined not by our relationship to an abundant giver who gives us so we can give on, but they are defined by what we accumulate. Now the way to dethrone that, because it becomes like an idol in our lives, and a powerful one at that, is to open the gates and give. It's to begin to allow those things to flow in our lives and through them. As we give, kingdom power is released. Idols are dethroned in our lives and the kingdom moves on. That's why the starting point though is money. Jesus was very clear about that. The one place above every other place where idols set themselves up in our lives is our material possessions because that's what we see. That's what we want to hold on to. But as we learn to contemplate our generous God and to trust him by faith so that when he gives us something, we don't hold on to it, but we give it on, as we learn that generosity, as we become a sort of place of, of blessing, a channel of blessing for others, so we learn to discern another law that is at work around us. 
Because in our world, it is not only human laws that exist. There is another law, and that is the law of grace. And as we give, we learn to discern the fingerprints of grace all around us. We begin to rejoice as God gives to others and not just to ourselves. We learn to release potential in other people. So grace can grow. And so it is that the kingdom logic is not about accumulation. And certainly not about accumulation of wealth, but about distribution. It's not about prosperity, but equality. Not about entitlements, but about empowerment. Not about grasping, but giving. Now in the fourth century there was, this isn't a new problem and a new issue, in the fourth century there was a a great church father called Basil the Great who wrote a treatise or a sermon called, which is quite hard hitting, called On Social Justice. And this is what he wrote, arguing that in God's economy, wealth is not meant to be gathered, but scattered. And he said this, he said, when wealth is scattered, in the manner which our Lord directed, it naturally returns. But when it is gathered, it naturally disperses. If you try to keep it, you will not have it. But if you scatter it, you will not lose it. What a great paradox of kingdom logic. You want to hold on to it, you lose it. You give it, you receive it back and you receive it back a hundredfold. In fact, for Basil, um, he he went further in his sermon and he talked about how um, as you gather wealth, when you gather and accumulate wealth, you actually, this is the image he used, you bury it and you entomb it in your heart. Just like in the parables of Jesus, the man who hid his talent in the ground because he was actually called to use it, give it, risk it in the lives of other people. And through that act of faith, it grew. Now, as I've said, oh actually, Basil was interesting because he said, listen, you're interested in gaining interest? And I didn't know that they had those issues in the fourth century, but they did. You're interested in gaining, issue, uh, gain, gaining interest? Well, um, God's bank, he says, pays better interest than any bank in the world. So invest in God's bank. Now, of course, this isn't just about money. The principle of the kingdom holds for absolutely everything we have, okay? And uh, many of us are, are, are rich in some areas, have less in others, but we've all, according to Paul, been enriched by God. Together, we've been enriched in every way. Paul says very clearly, um, he says, God is able to bless you abundantly. He says, you will be enriched in every way, verse 11 in our passage, so that you can be generous on every occasion. What have you received from God that you can give away? Let's turn the question around. What have you received from God that you should not give away? Well, in some senses, nothing. 
Everything we receive should be received with open hands because we're called to be stewards of everything we have. Isn't that right? I'm, let, me, let me confess something. I'm, I'm particularly challenged at the moment by the whole question of time. I mean, if there's one leveler, it's time, isn't it? I mean, objectively, we're all given the same thing with time, aren't we? We're all given 24 hours in a day, and we fill it very differently. Um, and uh, how easy it is for me to become a victim to my schedule. And, and I find myself trying to grasp and grab and find the odd minute here, the odd minute there, yeah? Trying to sort of recoup a little bit of time, trying to find some more time so that I can fill it with things. And then the Lord stops me and he says, listen, the economy of God is not about scarcity, but abundance. We don't start with what we don't have, we start with what we do have. Andy, don't start with the two minutes that you're trying to scrape away. Start with the 24 hours God gives you. And all of that is his. So how do you give it? I'm really struck by um, one of the great revival preachers, John Wesley, who the the busier he got, the more he, he spent time with God, first of all. You know, isn't that counterintuitive? Isn't that the opposite of what we do? The the busier we get, the less time we spend with God. And yet Wesley had understood something that Jesus had understood. That if we don't give out of abundance, we end up getting empty. And the kingdom of God is not about scarcity, it's about abundance. God is so good. He gives us everything we have. But we start giving from the beginning, not from the end. We don't try and scratch around, find something to give away. We start with everything he gives and before we do anything, we say, Lord, this is yours. And so everything we have, all our time belongs to him. So how do we invest the time he's given us? What time right at the start do we put aside for him? Remember that, that, that exercise that often they do in management circles where you've got a bowl and you've got to put different stones in it and how do you get them all into the bowl? Well, of course, you start with the big stones first and then the others fit in around. And the big stones for us are, are, are realising right at the start that everything comes from God. And so we, we're called on to, to live our lives generously giving back to him and to others everything we have. And that doesn't mean we spend 24 hours in prayer. Jesus didn't, but it means we spend 24 hours in God's presence, gratitude, full of gratitude and, and generosity, thanking him for, for what he gives. You know, I think living like that means that when we see people, we don't see them as a problem because we don't have time. We see them as an opportunity because it's a gift from God. Let's just allow our our regular things to be interrupted for a moment and we'll offer a seed of kingdom life to them. Or when there's a need, instead of saying, oh my goodness, I don't have time, we're thinking of time differently. We're breathing in God's grace. We're taking time. And so we're able to offer back to God and to others what he has given us. And so we start investing and we start planting seeds, fizzing with life. 
because that's what God wants for us. He gives us, plants his seed in our hearts and then he calls for us to plant seeds in the lives of, of other people. Seeds of generosity that are bursting with life. Time. Prayer. Praying for others, not just ourselves. Words. Fizzing with life. Gifts. Abilities. God is so generous to us. And the more generous we are, the more in tune we are with God's kingdom. And the more we're able to discern a a different law that is at work. Now, it does concern our money. And it also concerns sacrifice. In fact, in God's kingdom, the highest value is not given to the the objective value of our gift, It's given to the sacrificial nature of our gift. What is our heart saying? Remember how Jesus looked at the widow in the temple and she gave a tiny little coin, but she gave all she had. She'd understood. She'd become a channel of blessing. When she gave her little coin 2,000 years ago in the temple, I bet she didn't imagine that we'd still be talking about her and learning from her lesson 2,000 years later. Do you think she imagined that? You see the seed she sowed? But those of us who have material wealth, we're called on to give generously. You know, it's an extraordinary thing to be blessed by God materially, to have money. But the more we have, the more we're called to give. God calls us to be channels. And so if you are blessed with material wealth, That is so that you can give more to others. Don't accumulate it. Be a channel of blessing. The more you give, the more you receive. And the more you enter into God's kingdom rhythm. Remember David in the Old Testament? David had understood that he needed to give out of sacrifice. There's a moment uh, at the end of 2 Samuel where he wants to find a, a space to build an altar for God. And, and he goes to the, the person who owns that space and, and, and because he's the king, the, 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 this guy says, no, 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 you can have it free, free of charge. And David replies this, he says, I, I insist on paying you for it, he says. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David had understood Now, now for some of us, giving huge amounts of money, we can do it just like that without any problem at all. And that's a blessing. But let's give sacrificially. That means some of us can give even more in financial terms. And some of us can give more in terms of time. Maybe we all need to think differently about the way in which we carry the blessings God has given us. To those who have much, much will be required. Yes, because we have the potential to bless others. Okay, so there's a third point. And that is, not only are we called to consider the nature of God, understand the economy of God's kingdom, we're also called to invest in the purposes of God. Invest in the purposes of God. You see, we can give to many things, can't we? And that's great. Giving generally and spontaneously is a very good thing. But we are called as Christians to be quite intentional about giving to God's kingdom purposes. 
That means investing. In the New Testament, that means investing first and foremost in the family of God, the church. It means giving to the church. Why? Well, because the church is called to be the prophetic presence of God in the world. When we together as the church function as God calls us to be, we're like a light. And that's where we're wanting to invest our time and our energy and our money. The local church community is the body of Christ. And as we interact and as we do things, we are in some way embodying Christ to those around. Uh, We give to the local church as well because the church is a place of proximity. And when you give to the church, you can actually multiply the effectiveness of your seed that you're sowing. Why? Because you give financially, but you also give relationally. You also give in terms of time. You're connected to your gift. You're committed to people. And so money goes with relationship. And as we give, we begin to discover that wonderful kingdom uh, characteristic in the New Testament that is called koinonia. It means sharing. It means generous sharing of life. And that was a characteristic of the early church. And so we give and we're called to give to learn generosity to the local church, to the community, to the place of koinonia so that we can grow in our faith. We give collectively collectively, so that we can put into practice the the kingdom principle of generosity. Well, that's what we want to do here. Let me just remind you about the vision that we have here at St. Barnabas. Do you remember it? I think we've come across it before. Our vision is to be a vibrant and diverse kingdom community, welcoming all in Jesus' name, growing together as his disciples, stepping out in God's mission to all nations. I think with that, this is a good time to invest. The market is at the right place to invest in the kingdom. It's an amazing time. You know, as we look ahead, a couple of weeks ago, we looked back to how good God has been. Now we're looking forward and we're saying, where is God leading us And what is he wanting us to invest in for his kingdom? The the, the welcoming in thing, I think it's particularly exciting. I've no idea whether you can make any sense of this whatsoever, but this is an architect's plans of of a new entrance we're going to have in the church, which will be a, 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 a disabled entrance so that everyone can come in. You see that? It's on the north side of our church. Isn't that exciting? Suddenly we'll be able to welcome everyone in in Jesus' name. But of course, our vision doesn't stop there. It it is also about helping people discover Jesus Christ and grow in faith. Do you remember that event? It was on Easter Day when we did baptisms. And one or two of you who were baptized on Easter Day are here today because church is about growth. And we're investing in that, in people's lives. But it's also about stepping out and taking risks. And goodness me, the number of events and the number of ways in which we're building bridges and trying to connect with the people outside our church. That's one of the events that we organized recently where people were just flocking into the church. But we also long to be flocking out of the church. This is a time, friends, for us to invest in God's kingdom work. So there are three thoughts. Consider the nature of God how generous he is. Understand the economy of his kingdom. Those who give, receive. And invest in the purposes of God 
so that out of the abundance of his gifts, we sow into his kingdom purposes and we play a part that is far bigger than we could ever imagine. Let's just end by rereading those um, verses towards the end of our passage, which are just an amazing reminder. Now, he, says Paul, who supplies the seed to the sower, bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, that's us, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of your service, the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Let's call on God, shall we, and ask him to open our minds and our hearts to see how good he is to us, to understand how we can be channels of blessing and enter into his kingdom logic, and then let him help us to know concretely how we can give of what we have received so that his kingdom purposes can come to pass. Amen.